0: Coming up on Studios America, I will be joined by Daily Wire's Matt Walsh who tells us about his attempts to save Alexandria Casio Cortez's abuela from poverty. And another AOC news, Trouble in Paradise as the Uber Progressive butts head with also Uber Progressive Kamala Harris over border policy. Who will win? It doesn't matter, we all will lose. And it's insane how far the media went trying to avoid covering the Wuhan lab leak COVID theory. The only thing more insane is how they're still doing it. Let's get to the truth and do COVID cover
1: ups. Stu does America.
0: I want to spend a little time today, in fact, a lot of time maybe, on the lab leak theory of COVID 19. Now, we've talked about this many times, I mean, going back all the way till last April. Uh, In a lot of depth, but I want to go through some of the the most recent reporting on this, and uh, we're going to spend a little time getting into some of the science on it. I think it's important. I think we need to spend some time on it because this has really gone in a crazy uh, direction and has really turned around more dramatically in the past couple of weeks than maybe ever before. First of all, I want to show you kind of the attitude of the media right now, and it is it's a massive departure from where we were certainly last April, but even four or five months ago. Here is NPR's morning edition. Check this out. What are the consequences of of how the media handled this early on? Well, let's take our first principles here in the media. We have to interrogate what we know, how we know, even in times of crisis. We have to be an honest broker of facts that lead to the truth. And we have to give our audiences enough information and context to evaluate what we present to them. When the media doesn't listen closely enough, when it doesn't challenge its own instincts, I think we give grist to those who would undermine the credibility of the press and, by extension, the scientific and public health communities, too. I think regardless of what proves to be the source of the outbreak, that happened in this instance, and it's unfortunate. We tend to agree with that analysis. Uh, Here is ABC News' John Carl. Tom Cotton, especially, and many people in the Trump administration said it originated in the lab in Wuhan, China, not with bats. They're taking a second look at that. Um, Do some people have egg on their face? And why does this matter? Well, I mean, look, it matters for the same reason we were talking about the January 6th Commission. We should find out what happened. This was uh, one of the greatest crises our countries had ever faced. We should know the, star- the world's ever faced. We need to know how it started. And yes, I think a lot of people have egg on their face. This was an idea uh, that, that was first put forward by Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, Donald Trump. And look, some things may be true even if Donald Trump said them. <laughs> That's true. That is accurate. How about uh, here's The New York Times' David Leonhardt, who, by the way, has been very good uh, on a lot of this stuff. Uh, It's important to note, but he uh, points uh, out some of this to uh, CNN, which has not always been very good on it. And what happened was, a bunch of people started arguing that it likely escaped from this lab in Wuhan. And some of them were scientists whom you've never heard of, necessarily, and who made serious arguments. But some of them were conservative politicians, like Senator Tom Cotton. Um, And after Cotton started doing it, Donald Trump was doing it. And I think people made this mistake. I think um, a lot of people on the political left and a lot of people in the media made this mistake. said, wow, if Tom Cotton is saying something, it can't be true, or they assumed that. And that's not right. Tom Cotton does deal in misinformation about things like election fraud. He said some things that are just wrong. But that doesn't mean that everything he says is wrong. And it seems like a lot of people, including a lot of people in the media, leaped to dismiss the lab leak theory because of where it was coming from. And the reality is we don't yet know how COVID started it is really amazing to see this on the same networks where we saw the opposite so so long ago uh josh rogan went on for uh, on this a little bit i want to read you an extended quote because this is really important most mainstream media reporters didn't ignore the lab leak theory they actively crapped all over it for over a year while pretending to be objective out of the toxic mix of confirmation bias source bias their scientist sources lying to them groupthink tds of course Uh, uh, to the uh, Trump Derangement Syndrome, and general incompetence. Also, the lab leak theory didn't change. It didn't suddenly become credible. It didn't jump from crazy to reasonable. The theory has always been the same. The people who got it wrong changed their minds. They are writing about themselves with zero self-awareness. All these reporters scrambling to defend their own records on the lab leak theory are exposing their own hypocrisy and ignoring their basic error. Just report the facts. Don't act like it's your job to tell us what's okay or to think or talk about. Own up to it when you fail your readers. Democracy dies in stealth edits. Fifteen-month-old uh, headlines was was from uh, uh, Greg Price. He points this out in the in the uh, in the Washington Post. Now they did have a note here, uh, so I'll give him a little bit of credit. Maybe not super stealth, but the old headline being Tom Cotton. Uh, keeps repeating a coronavirus conspiracy theory that was already debunked. Uh, That, of course, changed quite a bit to Tom Cotton uh, keeps repeating a coronavirus fringe theory that scientists have disputed. That's a (laughs) hell of a transformation and a very, very, very strange turn of events. So let's go through some of this today because. A lot of this has been released, honestly, by reporters you might not read all the time. Uh, they're not necessarily coming from the conservative reporters you might, you might frequent. A lot of this is coming from uh, mainstream media sources that have taken the time to go through this. Long, uh, heavily reported pieces that have picked apart the way the media handled this from the beginning. And it kind of goes into a theory. We kind of went through the media stuff and how uh, the media reaction was wrong, but that's just part of the story here. There is also the silencing. And then there was the investigation and then the turnaround. This all happened very much behind the scenes, so let's go through it. First of all, let's start with the silencing. Very early on, February 19th, 2020, uh, in The Lancet, among the most respected and influential medical journals in the world, published a statement that roundly rejected the lab leak hypothesis, effectively casting it as xenophobic cousin to climate change denialism and anti-vaxism. Signed by 27 scientists, the statement expressed solidarity with all scientists and health professionals in China and asserted, we stand together to strongly condemn conspiracy theories suggesting that COVID-19 does not have a natural origin. Vanity Fair is the the, uh, publication that kind of went through a lot of this and their reporting is important because what they covered was how this letter and so many other things were part of a long-term, widespread silencing campaign to make sure you never heard about the Wuhan lab leak theory, or at least you would dismiss it because it's just a bunch of crazy conservatives saying it. Uh, They go on, the Lancet statement was not only signed, but organized by a zoologist named Peter Daszak, who has repackaged U.S. government grants and allocated them to facilities conducting gain-of-function research, among them, the Wuhan Institute of Virology, Itself now. If you follow the conversations mainly on the conservative side, Rand Paul's brought this up several times about uh, Fauci and the money that has gone to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. You probably know that term, gain of function research. Gain of function research is this idea that you take uh, take it at, at its best for a second. This idea that you take a virus that you find in nature and you play with it in a lab to see. If you alter thing, if you alter it, what will make it catch on more in human beings? That way, if we find the types of changes that uh, happen to a virus uh, to make it more damaging to humans, we can get ahead of it, right? Like we can figure out what might happen. What, what should we prepare for? In a complete vacuum, and in this case, I pretty much mean a complete vacuum. You can understand why that would be valuable research, but we've already had multiple accidents and this report goes through many of those accidents. But beyond that, we find that this silencing effort was incredibly widespread, not just by social media crazies or media members or uh, even uh, politicians. It went even to the community of scientists themselves. In late March, former Center of Disease Control Director Robert Redfield, the CDC director, received death threats from fellow scientists after telling CNN that he believed COVID-19 had originated in a lab. I was threatened. Uh, I was ostracized because I proposed another hypothesis, Redfield told Vanity Fair. I expected it from politicians. I didn't expect it from science. Incredible the CDC director getting death threats from scientists? What on earth is going on? Then Vanity Fair finds out about an internal men- memo. This was obtained by Vanity Fair. Thomas DiNano, a former acting assistant director, uh, secretary of the State Department's Bureau of Arms Control, Verification and Compliance, wrote uh, that staff from two, two bureaus, his own, and the Bureau of International Security and Nonproliferation warned leaders within his bureau not to pursue an investigation into the origin of COVID-19 because it would open a can of worms if it continued. Now, I, it, yeah, it might very well open a can of worms, but that's the sort of can we want opened, is it not? If we want to know what the heck happened, we're worried about the, 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 the flare-up, the pushback from what, China? When we're trying to figure out, remember, on record right now, 3.5 million people globally have died from COVID-19. This is not some little thing. I mean, look, they talked about one of those clips we played before. They're like, oh, the January 6th uh, incident, Uh, just like the January 6th incident. This is not just like the January 6th incident. I'm no fan of the January 6th incident. But this is millions of dead people. And it's much, much higher than the official numbers, of course, because places like Iran are not telling you how many people actually died. You think China is actually telling us how many people died from COVID? You think India has the right number? They're testing like one one zillionth of their population. This silencing effort continued as Vanity Fair goes on. In one State Department meeting, officials seeking to demand transparency from the Chinese government say they were explicitly told by colleagues not to explore the Wuhan Institute of Virology's gain of function research because it would bring unwelcome attention to the U.S. government's funding of it. Well, yeah, I can see how that would be true. I just don't see how that excuses it. You don't silence something like this. So they went through this investigation period and they tried to figure out what was going on. This was done from there were there were government intelligence sources pr- pursuing this some of them stepped right through the silencing efforts which is laudable there were also people just on the internet going through this and not just you know uh, people like uh, like me i'm talking about people who actually have qualifications on this stuff and the investigation was pretty amazing as the nsc tracked these disparate clues. U.S. government virologists advising them flagged one study first submitted in April of 2020. Eleven of its 23 co authors worked for the Academy of of Military Medical Sciences, the Chinese Army's Medical Research Institute. Using the gene editing technology known as CRISPR, the researchers had engineered mice with humanized lungs and then studied their susceptibility to SARS CoV 2. As the NSC officials worked backward from the date of publication to establish a timeline from the study, it became clear that the mice had been engineered sometime in the summer of 2019 before the pandemic even started. Hmm. The NSC officials were left wondering, had the Chinese military been running viruses through humanized mouse models to see what might be infectious to humans? This is I mean, first of all, it's a weird, creepy science fiction type of stuff. I mean, you don't. Mice are gross enough as as it is. You put human lungs in them. I mean, we're just that's just there's a creepiness level that's off the charts here. But when you start throwing viruses into humanized lungs of mice and then they wind up potentially spreading it to humans, that could be the, the missing link we're talking about. And it's right on the timeline. But there's more on this timeline in November. It led to classified information that was absolutely arresting and shocking, said a former State Department official. Three researchers at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, all connected with gain-of-function research on coronaviruses, had fallen ill in November 2019 and appeared to have visited the hospital with symptoms similar to COVID-19. Three government officials told Vanity Fair. We saw the Wall Street Journal also reporting something similar earlier on. While it's not clear what had sickened them, these were not the janitors, said the former State Department official. They were active researchers. The dates were among the most arresting part of the picture because they were smack where uh, they would have to be if this was the origin. Okay, so this is what kind of got the government under Trump and had their... uh, Uh, ire up here. This is what made them so suspicious of this early on. Why were these people going there? Why was this research being done right in the middle of all of this? uh, uh, Right at the time when we know COVID probably was hitting China, but we didn't even know about it yet. So much of the idea that this was a conspiracy theory also came from the idea that the Wuhan Institute of Virology conducting its research in a facility with the highest level of security. So secure that these accidents couldn't happen. Do you remember this pitch all the time? Highest level security is there. What are you talking about? It's a conspiracy theory. This sort of research is only done at a high level of security. That high level of security is called BSL-4, which they do have in Wuhan. There are a couple problems, though, with this defense. We have no idea if the BSL-4, highest level of security facility in Wuhan, was actually being run correctly. But even if it was this research wouldn't have been done in that highest level security facility. BSL-4 is for stuff like Ebola. The international community has guidelines that require anything related to SARS and MERS research to be done only in BSL-3 facilities. But in horrifying fashion, any other coronavirus could be researched in a BSL-2 facility. Facility. So you have the highest level of four for like Ebola. Then you got SARS and MERS, which have already broken out, created some death around the world. Let's put them in the level three society, uh, facility. But anything else, any other coronavirus, stick it in the BSL-2. What is a BSL-2 facility? This is a quote from Vanity Fair. BSL-2, roughly as secure as an American dentist's office Well, they've got lab coats on that should, of course, protect them. One of the other reports we've talked about here over the past few weeks came from Nicholas Wade. He's a former very highly respected New York Times science reporter. This is not just some guy with a Medium account, though he wrote it on Medium. And we've talked about a bunch of the different and maybe we'll even go into more depth on this later in the week, because this is stuff that if you haven't read at all, it it was, you know, it took about an hour to read. Um, it's deep, you know, goes deep into the science. But there's a lot of things that set off alarm bells among just your average scientists who maybe took the, uh, the the party line here. They saw a bunch of scientists saying this was a conspiracy theory. It was coming from Donald Trump and Tom Cotton, so they ignored it. This is uh, this Nicholas Wade report was a big change, I think, in the narrative of this because it wasn't just some conservative. Uh, Jim Garrity did a lot of great reporting on this a year ago, but that wasn't enough, apparently, for the science t- scientists on the left. Vanity Fair has this quote, which is pretty amazing. Within the scientific community, one thing leapt off the page of the Nicholas Wade report. Wade quoted one of the world's most famous microbiologists, Dr. David Baltimore, saying that he believed that the uh, furin cleavage site was the smoking gun for the origin of the virus. Baltimore, a Nobel laureate and pioneer in molecular biology, was about as far from Steve Bannon and the conspiracy theorists as it's possible to get in his judgment that the furin cleavage site raised the prospect of gene manipulation had to be taken seriously. And they talk about you can go through that whole report and it explains exactly what it means with a furin cleavage site. But basically, it's this idea that if you're going to manipulate a virus, there are certain places you're going to manipulate it in the sort of the viral code. And this is like the most convenient place. It wouldn't normally come up in a, in a natural evolutionary um, uh, change. It's the type of thing that, it's the kind of the place you'd target if you wanted to, to do this in a lab. Uh, we can get into all the, maybe the details of that, or it's going to take too long to get into that at this point. Uh, so what do you get from this? How do we, how do we judge where we are right now? Remember the letter at the beginning of this monologue. We talked about it where all these scientists came out and said, this is absolutely ridiculous. We stand with China. We know this is natural. There's been an update. A new letter has come out, came out on May 14th. On May 14th, a statement published in Science Magazine, 18 prominent scientists called for a transparent, objective investigation into COVID-19's origins, noting... We must take a hypothesis about both natural and laboratory spillovers seriously until we have sufficient data. Among the signers was Ralph Berrick. Fifteen months earlier, he had worked behind the scenes to help Peter Dozik stage manage the Lancet statement, the original letter we talked about today. The scientific consensus has been smashed to smithereens. Again, that is not some conservative report. That's not coming to you from Breitbart. This is Vanity Fair. And it's all over the media now. It's all over the media. It's all scientists are recognizing this as well. This has come a long, long way. And there's a lot to answer for here. Yes, there's a lot to answer from our media. Yes, there's a lot to answer uh, from our politicians and many scientists. But more than anything else, there's a lot to answer from China who continue to this day to get in the way of allowing us not only to find out answers, but just to get basic information about what was going on in this lab and basic information that could help us do a better job understanding how this disease works. I'll leave you with this. This is from uh, New York Magazine because it sums it up really well. There are sound reasons, believe it or not, other than racism to question the security of a lab that has refused to be transparent with international authorities and whose government is run by an oligarchic one-party state. So you're trying to buy or sell your home right now. You know what a big moment this is. I mean, it's a huge moment for you in your financial life because when a market is going crazy like the housing market is going right now, you have to make sure you don't make a mistake. If you are going in as a buyer, you gotta make sure you don't overbid for some crap heap of a house just because you're trying to win. If you're selling a house, you wanna get the best price when you're selling that house because it, it, this is not the time to you know, give up a million uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 concessions to the buyer. Like you have a, you're in a good position here. If you've got a nice house, you should be selling it for the most money that you p- can possibly get. You need someone on your side in this transaction. You need a real estate agent that you can trust. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find that person. You might think, well, I have this cousin and their brother and their former roommate. They can help me. Maybe they can't, maybe they're fantastic. But really, is that the way you want to do this? Some person you kind of know? Is that the person you want representing you in your biggest financial transaction that you might make in your entire life so far? Go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Find someone who's already been screened by the experts. realestateagentsitrust.com. Check it out now. realestateagentsitrust.com. You probably know my next guest from his global humanitarian work, but he also happens to host a show on The Daily Wire and has a best-selling book as well, Church of Cowards, A Wake-Up Call to Complacent Christians. Be sure to grab your copy today. Welcome to the program, Matt Walsh.
1: Thank you, thanks for having me.
0: Uh, I appreciate you coming on. Um, You know, you you were able to highlight a a pretty big problem. Um, uh, You identified this on social media last week uh, from uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, can you kind of walk us through how all of this started?
1: Yeah, it was, uh, well, I guess I, I didn't identify the problem initially. A- Alexandria Queza-Cortez did when she sent out a tweet uh, with uh, apparently pictures from her abuelas. Uh, that's grandmother, by the way, mm-hmm. for those who aren't bilingual like me, mm-hmm. uh, from her grandmother's home in, in Puerto Rico. And it's dilapidated. There's, it's. She basically appears to be living in some sort of crumbling, unfurnished shack. And there's uh, the ceiling tiles are falling down, and she's got buckets all over the place. And she said that the the, the her home had been in this condition since uh, Hurricane Maria, which is like four years ago. And she blamed it on Trump. And four years later, her, her home is still in this state. Um, and of course, a lot of people had to question, myself included. And I I sent this tweet to her in response to what she said, saying, you know, you're a wealthy single woman, a politician, you got two apartments, you got a Tesla that you just bought or are leasing. Why can't you, you know, fork over the money? And she responded to me and she was, she said that, well, she's focused on the systemic problems. And I guess basically... She she's looking at the ter- this this in terms of the systemic issue, and she wants uh, she's going to wait for a systemic solution, meaning government solve it. Mm-hmm. And so we said, okay, well, you know, four years later still hasn't been solved. You're going to you're going to wait around maybe another two years or three years or however long for it to be solved. Uh, instead, we could solve this problem today. And so I started the fundraiser for uh, for Buela's home uh, to fix the ceiling and to fix up the house, and we raised a hundred thousand dollars in uh, in ten hours. You know, and before they they finally they finally shut it down. Yeah, this this is incredible. And this is real money.
0: This isn't like some, you know, you the people in your audience came together in a very short time. I mean, it could have been a lot more than one hundred thousand dollars if they didn't stop it. And this was real money that could have actually gone to help not only Abuela, but others in the community.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are some who have accused me of trolling with this charity campaign. Mm. A form of uh, you could call it trollanthropy, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, and I'll leave that for anyone else to judge what my motivations are. I can't speak to my own motivations. <laughs> but what I do know is that it is real money, as you say. The, the money is not a troll. The money is real, and it's there, and uh, it can and it can have a real effect. And that's correct. I mean, hundred thousand dollars in ten hours. You think about well, what if this? If that was on a Friday that they shut down Friday night. What if it had been allowed to go through the weekend until Monday or something? I think we could have raised a million dollars or gotten close to it. And then not only can you fix up a boiler's home, but they could have taken that money and said, all right, we only need X amount to fix the ceiling and to fix up the house. Uh, we're going to give the rest to the community and we're going to revitalize the entire community with all this money. They could have done that. Uh, and I wish that they had done that, but they decided instead that they don't want the money at all, which raises a lot of questions. So to me, it, it it indicates either that, Abuela's home was not really in the state that AOC portrayed it, which I don't know if that's the case or not. But that's one speculation, and the other is that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez would rather her grandmother suffer like that than take money from the likes of us. I think those are like the two possible explanations, and neither one is especially flattering. No,
0: I, I would agree. I think focusing on this first one is interesting because it does seem perplexing that a person who is as famous as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is, a person who is, as you point out, I mean, she already, she has a very nice salary. Uh, She has buying things. She is, I mean, she's got apartments with garbage disposals in them now that she's discovering. There's all sorts of amazing things she's been able to do. And she's one of the most recognizable people in the country. The idea that her, if this is true, that she sat there parading herself on television day after day after day, while her grandmother is sitting in squalor in Puerto Rico, I mean, that is completely inexcusable.
1: Yeah, I mean, of course it is. And I thought what made it especially disturbing for me is what she said about the systemic problem and the problem across the entire community. And that appears to be where her focus is. You know, I'm not saying that we shouldn't worry about the broader societal problems, but um, to lump your own family in with that and to essentially say, well we'll get around to my family whenever the system, uh, you know, whenever we can fix the systemic problems, then we can fix, you know, the, the the suffering of my loved ones. That just seems completely backwards. You know, you should you should care for the people closest to you first, and then we can move out from there and uh, and help the community. That, that, I mean, that's the way that I would approach it if I were her. It really does say something about her mindset, right? I mean, I, I, the fact that she didn't see, I mean... I,
0: I mean, the campaign was brilliant. I don't know that she would have seen that coming. But the fact that she wouldn't see criticism coming from posting this to her, it was just an example of, of government letting others down at no point. I don't even think that she even considered that it might be her responsibility.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. And I, I think also if you, maybe a, a cynical interpretation of this. And again, we're left to speculate because they shut down the campaign. They never even really told us who exactly made the decision. They said that uh, the beneficiary's family doesn't want it. They didn't, they didn't even tell us the mm. beneficiary doesn't want it. They said her family doesn't want it, which that's interesting. I didn't know that the family is allowed to decline it on behalf of the beneficiary. But so we weren't told anything. I, I reached out to Alexandra Casacurtete. She never responded. So you know we're only left to speculate. And so another speculation, which is a little maybe a little cynical, but you might you might wonder is is would she prefer to have the problem because the problem is politically useful? Would she prefer that over the solution? Because we, as far as her grandmother goes anyway, we presented her the solution to that problem on a silver pl- platter, $100,000. That solves the problem at least of her house, I would think. And she didn't want it. And uh, yeah, it does, it does make you wonder, some of these people, would they, would they rather, maybe it's not really about solving problems at all. Maybe, maybe they, they prefer to have the problem. It certainly seems like she would rather have the problem than
0: to allow you to solve it or allow your audience or allow conservatives who are giving their own hard-earned money to solve it. I mean, that does not seem to be the type of thing that, that she is even interested in. And I think it goes back to this sort of Because obviously she's a, you know, an an out socialist, as it were. But there's something more defining about her that I think she has to be the victim in every single circumstance. She was the victim not only because the government would not help her grandma, but also then with you, with this, you know, terrible assault that you committed by trying to give her $100,000. She's just always on the wrong side of this, always the victim. And that's what's really important to her.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it, I guess it was an unconscionable attack on my part to try to give her grandmother, grandmother $100,000, which a fair warning to others, though, like, don't come after me, because if you mess around, I might raise $100,000 for you. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is, she, she often will use emotional blackmail, her own situation or her family situation. And then, and this is not just her. This, I think this is a common tactic on the left in general, where they use emotional blackmail. And then um, as soon as they put that out there, their own personal trauma or whatever their family's going through, th- then then everyone else is it's supposed to shut down the conversation. We sh- we can't talk about it anymore. We have to just do whatever they say. Um, and so I think maybe one thing we did with this was kind of call or bluff a little bit. And uh, and so that's... Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't actually... I, I wish that we could have gotten the money to Abuela, and we didn't. But uh, maybe that's one lesson we learned from it anyway. It, what is next uh,
0: for Abuela,
1: Matt? I, you know... I, I listen, if I could, I I tried. I did everything that I that I could. I mean, I, I could try to fly to Puerto Rico myself and find her. But uh, I mean, I'd be traveling around the entire country looking. So I I I, I don't know. I, maybe she's got another granddaughter who's a little more charitable. That's all I can hope for.
0: Uh, it's, it's a really uh, devastating, devastating time and a sad, sad situation. Who knew that this was a, a problem for. People in the Alexandria Cortez uh, Ocasio-Cortez circle, I, I was unaware of it, but I'm glad you at least tried to step up and show uh, the American spirit, because that is the American spirit. And I think that's what's so frustrating to someone like AOC. The, the American spirit is not wait around for government to come help you. It is doing what you did. I mean, I know the trollanthropy f- aside, it, that is how we solve problems in this country. We've been doing it since the founding. And it so angers people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez that the people she vilifies and calls, uh, you know, white supremacists are the people who are standing, uh, standing up to help her Puerto Rican gr- uh, abuela. It's not, it's not her.
1: Yeah, I, I think it is the American spirit. that's why actually you say she didn't want the money because it's from me and it's from conservatives. I think that's probably part of it, but... But I actually think no matter, no matter what our ideological leanings are, um, I don't think socialists and leftists, they, they just don't want Americans solving problems on their own without the government assistance because it doesn't work with their ideology. I think that's what it comes down to. Mm. Matt Walsh, uh, was a brilliant,
0: brilliant moment, Matt. I mean, we really appreciate it. The, the book, by the way, is called Church of Cowards. If you don't have it yet, you got to get it. It's a wake up call to complacent Christians. Matt, thanks so much for coming on the program.
1: Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. All right. Back in a second.
0: Well, we just learned about how she's a victim today. She was brutally attacked by Matt Walsh and his $100,000. But it's not just that. She's also been victimized, of course, on the border. Uh, This comes from Kamala Harris, who said some very nasty bad things to people in Central America, namely Guatemala.
1: I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. The United States will continue to enforce our laws and secure our border. There are legal methods by which migration can and should occur. But we, as one of our priorities, will discourage illegal migration. Mm. And I believe if you come to our border, you will be turned back. Mm. Wow. So let's discourage our friends, our neighbors, our family members from embarking on what is otherwise an extremely dangerous journey.
0: So, of course, our vice president, Kamala Trump Jr. Uh, So it's interesting to kind of watch that. Uh, Casio Cortez uh, came out and decided to uh, tweet about it. And obviously, when she does that, she's uh, she usually says something really dumb. And she did in this case as well. She said, this is disappointing to see. First, seeking asylum at the U.S. and any U.S. border is 100 percent legal method of arrival. Well, I mean, she specifically said you could come. There are methods to come legally, but don't come illegally. So, I I mean, I I know Kamala sounded a little bit like Donald Trump uh, there uh, saying that we had borders and you shouldn't come across them illegally. But. Uh, I don't know, maybe it's melting the brain of everyone on the left. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez also said, Second, the U.S. spent decades contributing to regime change and destabilization in Latin America. We can't help set someone's house on fire and then blame them for fleeing. Yes, of course, you had the incredible stability of communism that we disrupted there. And now everything is much, much, much worse. Kamala basically was asked about it and and avoided it. Uh, This is, uh, so you got that going on. You got... Uh, Some criticism coming down on CNN for an interview that Brian Stelter did with Jen Psaki, mainly from a couple of questions uh, that uh, Stelter asked. A couple of his questions were, what does the press get wrong when covering Biden's agenda? And then also for journalists who watch what you do, what's your advice for them about trying to stay as close to the truth in this world of lies? I don't exactly remember any of the... Uh, the. I don't remember Sean Spicer receiving uh, questions like that from anybody. Uh, a tad different. I don't know if you can... I don't know if you can detect the difference as a a veteran of watching media and being paid incredible amounts of money to sit here and tell you about it every day. I happen to have the expertise to detect the slight difference from the way CNN uh, questioned the Trump administration and the way that Jen Psaki gets questioned on TV. You might not be able to detect it, though, and that's okay. It's why I'm here. I'm here to point it out for you. Don Lemon is I don't know. I don't I don't get the Don Lemon thing. Never was a big Don Lemon uh, guy. Don't really understand necessarily what he brings to the table. But uh, every once in a while, back in the day, Don Lemon used to kind of stand up and say, hey, you know, take some personal responsibility. He would occasionally have those moments where he seemed like he was rational. And then Trump came into office and kind of flipped that for everybody. It didn't seem like anybody in the media, even the people who were pretty rational beforehand, were able to uh, conduct themselves with any sorts of uh, sensibility in this period. Well, Don, I don't know, maybe because Trump is out. Uh, Don is, is is striking a little bit of a different tone lately. He said um, uh, that Democrats must stop virtue signaling. Um, they can't be about who's more woke. There is some criticism uh, that he should have done more. He should have known better that Republicans didn't want to work with him. And it should be a lesson for, for Joe Biden. Um, but he said uh, uh, he said that really is one of these things where I think Obama at times tried to play against this. And I think that's the vibe that some guys on CNN like, that sort of Obama vibe. That's not the super mega woke vibe, though. It's a little bit different. There's a little bit of a a nuance there. Uh, And Lemon, I think, correctly says it's not a winning philosophy to come out and accuse everyone who doesn't agree with you exactly of, of not being woke enough and then tossing them to the side. You can't do that with every single person. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. It gets, you get off the rails pretty easily. We've said this a million times. Wokeness is weakness. It's essentially uh, telling everyone that you're weak, that you don't actually have beliefs, that you can switch uh, on, on a dime. Is Whenever the next letter is, is at the end of LGBTQIA2+, when they add a new le- letter, you just come up with all different viewpoints. That's kind of the way the woke thing works. We're seeing that a little bit, by the way, with Ellie Kemper. We talked about her last week, and we told you at the time, of course she's going to come out and apologize, because that's, of course that's what she's going to do. A 100% chance she's going to come out and apologize for being 19 and winning a beauty pageant. Uh, She did. She came out and apologized. She says she uh, unequivocally uh, uh, deplores, denounces, and rejects white supremacy. At the same time, I acknowledge that because of my race and my privilege, I am the beneficiary of a system that is dispensed unequal justice and unequal rewards. Uh, She said she didn't know about the racist past of the party she was at, uh, which was racist in the 1800s. As far as I know, not the 1800s, not even the 1900s anymore. Uh, she was in it, I think, in 1999, so technically it was in the 1900s when she was in the pageant. But she's, uh, she's now apologized, so I guess she's forgiven for the time being until they find out that a very long time ago she had, like, Aunt Jemima pancakes. And when, when that comes out, she's toast. No more office reunion. Back in a second. a little bit about built bar ah yes built bar the thing that's in my fridge all the time my wife likes built bars chilled you don't have to have them chilled you can bring them to work you can put them uh you you know bring them wherever you want Uh, a lot of people don't eat them chilled she likes them chilled though a little bit chilled Uh, you know and i know i'm the same way like when i go like if i get a three musketeers bar that's my healthy choice you get a three musketeers bar uh you want that thing either frozen or you want it chilled that's the thing about built bars they're like Candy bars. They're like candy bars. And they're actually protein bars. There's three to five net carbs, low carb, uh, low calorie, high fiber, high protein. These are taste first protein bars. So they taste delicious. You're going to get the best taste out of them. Crazy flavors. They're always coming up with new ones. It's amazing. And uh, you get all the great benefits of the nutrition or, I don't know, whatever that other stuff means. All I know is taste first. Stew15 is the promo code to go to BuiltBar.com with. Why? You get 15% off, and that's how they know. You like this stupid show. Stu15 is the promo code. BuiltBar.com is the website. Get 15% off with the promo code Stu15 at BuiltBar.com. A couple of weeks ago, we did a show called Stu Does the DeSantis Conspiracy, all about a conspiracy uh, that Ron DeSantis was manipulating data throughout uh, COVID. Uh, at the center of this was a woman named Rebecca Jones, and uh, we kind of went through her uh, questionable theories and past here, and I think exposed that uh, pretty pretty, uh, pretty, much beginning to end uh, of what actually happened there. So what is the most absolutely 2021 thing that would come out of a story like that? A data scientist who leaves uh, in a controversy, makes all sorts of crazy partisan claims on the internet, what should happen next obviously we have the answer yes she's running for congress now (laughs) against matt gates in (laughs) there i mean it's almost like you know you ever watch a show and you're just like okay this is way too predictable come on this is over the top this couldn't possibly happen it's too predictable well guess what Uh, the predictable is reality Yet again, Rebecca Jones versus Matt Gates for Congress. Uh, we get the America we deserve. So if you're buying, you're selling a home, you're going for a new credit card, maybe you're applying for a job. One thing that might be something you wouldn't necessarily put at the top of your list is to make sure your credit score is as high as it can be. Well, it's got to be on your list because it's a massive difference. We're talking about fast loan approvals. We're talking about huge discounts, low interest rates. Uh, we're talking about saving thousands and thousands of dollars over the life of a home or a car. It's a big deal. Get your score where it should be with Scoremaster. Scoremaster, we had someone come in and say, hey, you know, I went on there, five days later, credit score was 33 points higher. Uh, another person came in and said 43 points in a couple of weeks. We have an average of, I think, over 60 points in about three weeks. And we've seen some people add over 100 points to their credit score. That can be you. Uh, give it a shot. ScoreMaster is so easy, it just takes a minute to get started. Go on Scoremaster. They'll tell you how many plus points you can add to your credit score. It's scoremaster.com slash stew. Make sure to use the slash stew part of the address because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Scoremaster.com slash stew. Scoremaster.com slash stew. Really shocking development as uh, we uh, got a poll out that announced that LeBron James is the least popular player in the NBA. And when I say least popular, the real phrasing of it was most hated. Which, I, the strangest part about it was there were other people on the list. I don't even understand who else you would consider. Uh, but we do know that LeBron sucks and he's an idiot. That's why we made the shirt LeBron James. Uh, it's available right now. Uh, don't be an idiot. Don't be a LeBron. You got that. You got the uh, mug you can get as well. Uh, Get it at don'tbealebron.com. And by the way, big news here at Blaze TV. Jason Whitlock is on board. You got a new show coming up. We love Jason. He's been a tad critical of LeBron himself from time to time. Uh, BlazeTV.com slash Stu. Promo code is Stu. Save yourself 10 bucks. So many great shows. How are you not a member yet?